Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. In this episode, I'm talking to a pediatrician who does in-home newborn and lactation visits. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Hello, welcome to episode number 27 of the podcast. Thank you for being here. So today on the podcast, I have Dr. Sonal Patel. Dr. Patel is a pediatrician and neonatologist, also the mom of four boys, Now, through her personal and professional experience, she noticed holes in the way postpartum care is delivered, and she founded Naya Care Newborn Specialty Clinic. 
And this is a unique model of in-home care for newborns for that first month of baby's life. She also combines it with having a lactation consultant in her practice. She herself is also trained as a lactation counselor. She has a mental health counselor in her practice as well as a psychiatrist. She is very passionate about bringing improved postpartum care, making it really comprehensive both for babies babies and moms. And she does this one mom at a time. Now, I really found the model of care that she provides very interesting. She's going to talk about how she does in-home visits in that first month after, after birth. And these are one hour in-home visits, typically, as well as being available by text message if need be. She also talks about what to look for if you're interested in in-home care. We talk about how she helps families transition to their regular pediatrician. And then she shares just lots of great tidbits of advice from moms for things like why you should let go of guilt, why you should take a break, how you should be supported. So you are really going to learn a lot from this episode, just like you learn from every episode. (laughs) Now, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you, if you are not on my email list, then you should be. I send out a weekly newsletter that contains a dose of information to help you have your very best pregnancy and birth. I always include some inspiring information to help with that oh-so-important mental health and wellness piece of pregnancy, and then I also include a helpful tip. It can be something like nutrition, maybe epidurals, and maybe exercise, so I cover lots of different things. I keep the newsletter short and sweet so it's not terribly long to read, and the newsletter is also the first place where I announce new things like specials on the birth preparation course, and I don't offer those very often. So no spam ever. I don't sell your information. I keep the emails to about once a week, occasionally twice a week if I have something major going on. But if you're not on the list, then you definitely want to be on the list because it's the best way to stay in touch with me. You can join the list by going to ncrcoaching.com forward slash email. That's ncrcoaching.com forward slash email, or you can just go to my website and there's plenty of places to sign up there. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Dr. Sonal Patel. Hi, Sonal. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. You have a really interesting story and the way you practice, and I'm sure the listeners are going to learn a lot. Well, thank you for having me and the opportunity to let your listeners know about it. Yeah. So how about we start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work and your family? Definitely. So my name is Sonal Patel. I am a pediatrician and I did further training in neonatology. I moved to Denver, Colorado in 2009 with my husband and then one son. And I practiced NICU for seven, seven and a half years. And during those time periods, I had I went and had three more kids. Yay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So what are the age ranges? Um, So my youngest is four, then Uh there's a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, and then my oldest is 13. All right. They're all boys. So that's always very interesting household (laughs) that I live in. And yes, I live with five boys and I always say I want to feel like I'm living with five girls. (laughs) So (laughs) that's 
um, that's a part. And what led me to what I'm doing currently is that only my own personal experience with postpartum, seeing NICU moms with postpartum, just led me to believe that there is a better way that we can offer postpartum care in the United States to be more complete and to actually value the fact that the mom just had a baby. And so that's what led me to develop Naya Care Newborn Specialty Clinic that serves the Denver metro area. It is a home-based clinic. And what we essentially do is after a baby is born, routinely what happens is when after one to two days, they go to their pediatrician's office. Right. And unfortunately, in this day and age, there's those are like 15, 20-minute slots. And you can't really get much in it, right? You can't address everything, especially with a new mom who has so many questions. Correct. You can't address all of that. And one of the biggest things is lactation and breastfeeding to make sure it's all going well. And so what happens routinely, it's like, okay, mama, we, you have these issues. Why don't you go to the lactation group? So what happens in the first week is that we're trotting these moms and babies kind of all around town because usually they'll deliver the hospital. Then they go to their pediatrician's office in this one area, and then they go to lactation group, most likely in their hospitals. And right. they routinely go there and for the first week. That's what we're doing with moms to make sure that they establish breastfeeding. And in this day and age, I think we've had such a huge cultural shift. I mean, obviously being a pediatrician um, and focusing most of my career into nutrition, there's an importance of breastfeeding. But if you look at it, the first week is so important to establish it. You know, it you just don't get up with the newborn and go. You have to plan right. for it. Yes. You know? <laughs> like you plan a couple of hours beforehand. You right. want to make sure like what if the baby gets hungry on the way? Like yep. you have all these stresses the on diapers top. and the extra yes. outfit and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, a more of a seasoned mom kind of will I mean, they go through it and so they kind of know a little bit about it, but these new moms have no idea and and that's what, I mean, even as a seasons mom with my fourth baby, I just remember I had so much on my plate. I literally, in order to get on time to my physician's appointment, and mind you, I didn't even see the physician that day. I just saw an RN, and that's mm. what really like, prompted me. I mean, it took me three hours to make sure everything was ready. My kids were all settled, you right. know, like all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. So just looking at it, that led me to all this research and I realized a lot of European, Japanese and Australian countries actually have such a high quality of postpartum care in which they will send out either an RN or a midwife that is that is experienced in lactation and do the home visits in the house. Right. Uh, I've had a couple of friends who have delivered in Denmark and they've just said that they're it's such a stark experience with somebody coming to your house daily that they experience versus here because she had one baby here and one baby there. And she goes, I would take Denmark's system over anything. Oh, <laughs> wow. It's just more supportive. Right. On just the postpartum part. Right. So it was just like, well, why can't we do that here in the States? Like, why can not not a physician go out with lactation bundled up? So it becomes more of a meaningful visit all at once. Um, and there are some programs here like Kaiser. If, if you're living in a state that is heavy with Kaiser, we, we, we do have Kaiser here, but it's a limit sub, it's a very limited population. They do send out their nurse, um, who is a, a, a minimum, uh, 
lactation educator to the house and then there's some federally funded programs however there's always like a stipulation like you have to be either low income or you have to be african-american or you have to have you're just your first baby and you have to have a teenager mom and it's like you know every mom has every mom with every baby is different and the sure. experience is different right. of course. so it's it's just such we're just offering it to very subset of women. And it was my fourth. I needed the most help. It was my fourth. So what we do through the home health is I go out. I'm actually lactation. Um, I'm a CLE and I've just really dedicated all my life for breastfeeding. So okay. I just and what have is a, a CLE? What is it's a certified lactation educator. Okay. And I didn't, so here's, so the actual highest level is an IBCLC. It's an international board certified lactation counselor. I have so many years of breastfeeding, not only personally, but I actually helped develop a breastfeeding program for the premature babies, which were on a side note, trying to launch it in different NICUs right. around the area that I didn't want to do an IBCLC, though I had the okay. hours. Right. And the, the only reason was I'm tired of taking a board exam. Right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so tired of it. And I commend all those women who are out there who are MDs that are going through it because I know the process. But for me personally was, you know, I just, I just, I'm done with that part. Like gotcha. I, I'm part of the breastfeeding medicine. I get their journals. I rather would spend my time doing that than actually learning something and sitting for the board exam again. Gotcha. <laughs> so, gotcha. so you have all of the education and training, yes. just not the title. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I just went ahead and got the CLE part of it. Okay. Because at least like people know that, yeah, it, it's, I have some investment in right, it. And then when right. they actually work with me, they're like, oh, you know a lot. He's gotcha, like, yes, I know. Gotcha. I know a lot. <laughs> Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So you go out and see moms in their home within the first, is it week after birth? A couple of days, actually. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the first two to three days after post-hospital uh, discharge. Mm -hmm. And you see them that, how many times do you see them? It depends. So the whole program is for a month, essentially. So in the state of Colorado, they require two newborn screens. Some state only required one newborn screen. And the newborn screen is a tool that is used to detect any metabolic or genetic diseases that can have preventable interventions that can um, lessen 
outcomes. For example, hypothyroidism. You know, you can give them, if you have congenital hypothyroidism, you give them Synthroid and their um, neurological symptoms are diminished. So in the state of Colorado, we need to do two of those. So I usually go to the two to three day and it, they come in packages. And sometimes the um, moms just want that, especially the um, seasoned, mom, seasoned moms. Uh-huh. And sometimes they do that and they're like, oh no, please could you come back for the second week visit as well and conduct that at home so I don't have to go out again and do my newborn screen at the clinic. Gotcha. Um, okay. And then regardless of if they pick the one or two visits, they every one of my moms has a mandatory phone call at one month um, with myself or the counselor. And we def- we screen for postpartum depression um, with that. And so that's just mandatory because I've suffered through it and I just don't want anybody else going sure, through what I had course. to go through. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And when you go see moms in their home, how long are you there? I'm there about 60 to 75 minutes, depending upon if it's a completely new mom versus, right. you know, if it's an experienced mom who just really needs additional here and there help. And it's so rewarding because now I can actually tailor my just advice to their environment. Sure. You know, like it's like, hey, where do you usually breastfeed? You know, let's go there. Gotcha. And, you know, and usually the dads are there and usually there's other support systems that they have in play. Um, their moms are there. Sometimes their mother-in-laws are there. And you can just tell them advices also to help that mom. So, for example, one thing I do teach dads on the side is, so in my culture, infant massage is always incorporated. Like my mom came and did it to my kids, you know, (laughs) like that's part of our culture. Right. And so then I can teach them a couple of things with infant massage that are very simple to do. But now dad has something concrete to do. He's learned the couple of stretches and that allows mom to be like, then I can be like, Hey, you know, mom's going to breastfeed. Then mom, you are going to go away and you're going to take your nap. Right. Dad, you're going to do this in, in this position. And you're going to, so usually also in the first week we deal a lot with jaundice and every kid has some degree every baby has some degree of jaundice so you can say well here's where you get the best sunlight so you know for five to ten minutes with a diaper expose them do these infant massages and so that becomes a really like a concrete thing that dads can do Mm -hmm. and that's you know with the mentality of men they they want to help dads are so want to help but they just don't know how sometimes right right and so to give them something concrete to do rather than you know just changing the diaper (laughs) (laughs) like something something that they feel they're contributing to gotcha um it's it's really helpful and then like there's certain times too you know with with you remember when you're having a baby you just want everything in control and especially type a people like us we just want everything like for us to be in control (laughs) so then you can tell the moms and be like no listen grandma's here so let her do this and grandma's sitting in the back and saying nodding her head she's like yes please tell tell her to look, give up some of this stuff for me, right, you know? Right, right. And so it just becomes, it, it becomes a really neat way to help the whole family out. And, and the underlying, my message always this, you support the moms, everything falls into place, but also with moms to allow them to a little, let go a little and not to be like, no, you can take that nap or you can let grandma do the dishes and don't feel guilty about it. Exactly. Like it's okay. 
Right. You can pay them back later. Yeah. Like four or six months later, give them a nice spa, give them a good dinner. (laughs) But for for that moment, let them help you. Yes. Because they're there for that. Sure. Sometimes, you know, like we, and I I think I've, I've been victim of this too. Like I don't, I didn't let my mom or my mother-in-law do the things. I wish I would have been more a front to be like, no, I can't do this. Like, this is too much for me as, mm-hmm. a, as opposed to being exhausted at the end of the day all the time. Right. Trying so, to do everything. Yeah. 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 So do you so, do any like blood work or blood tests that need to be done yeah. if needed in, in the home? Yes, I do. So mostly the, the most amount use usually is uh, for bilirubin. And so you do just do a heel stick for that. Okay. And I have a partnership with the local lab here where we can get the results, the same day results. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And then the other one is just the newborn screen, um, which okay. is also a heel stick. Okay. So the majority of these ones are just heel sticks that okay. you have to do. And okay. Those are pretty easy. Okay. And then, of course, I'm guessing you have a scale or something because I know weight oh, is an issue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's literally the whole clinic. So I have the scale. I have, I mean, obviously the stethoscope, I mm-hmm. have the, uh, the otoscope, ophthalmoscope, everything just comes with me. Gotcha. So okay. it's very portable. So yeah. it's, it's like a, you can just do the newborn exam. Everything right and, there. Yes. And then my lens is coming from an ICU setting too. And there's actually a really neat thing in Colorado, I think. And honestly, this is my, I, I'm, I don't know about other states just because uh-huh. I haven't looked into it, but sure. I know in Colorado, they they passed a law that um, every baby in, within 24 hours needs to be screened from a congenital heart disease perspective. So that and that goes on their birth certificate. So any of those major cardiology, cardiac diseases that would had in the past put babies back in the hospital in cardiac shock are now actually screened before the baby can even leave. And if they fail the screen, then they get an echo. Right. Right. So, one of the biggest things that we all worried about is now in the state of Colorado, it's been alleviated. So in most, in majority of the cases, what you walk into is a healthy newborn gotcha. who, who, you know, who needs help with breastfeeding and a mom who just needs the support. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So you said you yourself do lactation and you have mm-hmm. a mental health person. Who else is on your team? Do you have other folks that work with you? Yes. So I contract with other lactation people in the community. Um, So why reinvent the wheel when there's some really good ones in the community as well? Right. So sometimes when I, when I can't do, or sometimes new moms also, there's an option to add just a lactation person Mm -hmm. visit um, exclusively just for lactation. So Mm -hmm. uh, I will and if I get too busy, it's like, hey, could you please do that visit exclusively? So they, that's all they focus on is lactation. Right. Okay. And then um, the other person, and we haven't had to use her yet, which is awesome. It's, And I think the beauty is why we haven't had to use her is our psychiatrist. Okay. Um, and it's, it's because we... And I, and I want to, I want to stop for a minute, everybody. And look, well, she just said she's excited that she doesn't have to use a medical professional. Yes. Like we're yes. not always trying to, <laughs> you know, push medicine and things like, yes. yeah, we're trying not to in some cases. So you're saying you don't have to use the psychiatrist very often. Yeah. No, we actually haven't had to use her at all so far. Right. And what we've found is, and this is what research has shown is that if you can support, so we offer the, like, I'm one of those, it's like, I'm not just going to do the one visit. I'm going to follow you and follow you until I make sure that you're okay. Cause sure. all our moms, even I'm texting and they're like, babies are four months and they're seeing their own pediatrician. And it's just, I just find 
and again, research support is, is that if you can support the moms in a good way and a good way, meaning with addressing their needs and mm-hmm. making sure that they're comfortable with all their needs, then you actually are preventing um, the anxiety and the blues or you're actually finding it out earlier. You're like, you know, we're at the two week marks, you know, your blues are there. You're still crying a lot. What's going on? And then, you know, and then the three week mark, they start to like, you know, I really don't think that you're, you're doing as well as you're saying. And then, then they kind of just open up and like, yeah, I just don't feel this. And, you know, at the one month, especially like I've had a lot of moms being like, all I do is breastfeed. All I feel like is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you give them the permission to go and get their nails done. Or you right. give them the permission to be like, and without the baby. Right. That's the biggest thing. Because then you have to realize, I like, you know, you've been taking care of this human for now 11 months. Like, 11, think about it. Like, you have to That's carry true. the pregnancy, right? Right, right, and right. you have been so invested in it. And so it's okay for you to go for 30 minutes to an hour to go get your nails done. And giving them the permission to do that is, it's been like, oh, I, I can? Yes, you can go to Target in real. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a really like individualized approach and just, it's really all about support. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that crucial period. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm, I have to be honest, obstetricians certainly don't do it right now. We should, but I'm ashamed to say that we don't, you know, right now, for the most part, people see their OB doctor, not until six weeks later. Right. But that's how the system is set, right? That's how, and you know, like we had just this year we had, um, and again, the pediatricians are so taxed also, right? Right. Because now they're like, now AEP and ACOG, I believe just came out and said, oh, you know, we should really be screening, you know, the dads or the significant others. And you're just like, well, how can I do this in 15, 20 minutes? Like, that's ridiculous. Like you're asking so much of me. So, um, yeah, our system is does not help support us support what we need to do the best at. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if a family is thinking about how, if they want an in-home pediatrician, where, where can they even go to look for one? So, Actually, just Google it. You'll be surprised. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you really will be surprised in your state how many pediatricians or people are out there doing it. So it's more common than than we realize. You think? I think I think there is a subset of people that are there. I know I know a couple. I know um, a doctor in Ohio that does it okay. as well. And the more I am doing it, the more the more I get. Exp- I'm getting exposed in it. So there's another. I believe she's a family med- medicine doctor uh-huh. that is going to be starting her practice in Arizona. And she's like, I totally want to incorporate this because as a family medicine, I've honed it into this aspect of it. And so I get, I get people, not a lot, but once in a while, every one month or two months, I'll have a physician calling me. It's like, Hey, how are you doing this? You know? And in gotcha. the physician Facebook's things too when people uh-huh. say that and people are like oh this this doctor meaning me is doing this in Colorado or gotcha. I'm in the Richmond Virginia area and we have someone who does it around here I was surprised it's not something that I knew existed so yeah definitely a great option so if women are thinking about this what are three things that you recommend they should ask about or look for when they're considering having an in-home pediatrician visit for that first um, week or so right um 
first of all, ask what the visit actually will look like. How long will it take? So if mm. the pediatrician says it's going to be like a 30-minute visit, I, I know from experience that no visit lasts 30 minutes okay. within the house. <laughs> you know? So you're saying at least an hour, you think, around yes. an hour. Yeah. Yes. I think if, if that pediatrician is providing that service, then definitely. Make sure it's a pediatrician, an MD. The reason I say that is just because I don't know what all the laws are around the different states. And I don't know the other, I don't know the capacity of other people's training. Gotcha. But to have a, a pediatrician, then, I mean, that's the best advice because that's the lens that I'm looking at. Sure. You know, so, and lactation is important because unfortunately we're at a point in our time where everything's latched on to breastfeeding, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you can breastfeed, you're a successful mom. If you can't, then you're a failure. And I'm like, that is just absurd. It is absurd. But, yeah. But that's what we're, what we're living in. So you have actually built in lactation or they can help you for the price, get a lactation person that they trust. Cause some okay. of those lactations are, are, are very diverse. And just like how you interview a pediatrician, just see if you ask the questions about, you know, what are your thoughts on X, Y, and Z? Meaning what are your thoughts on breastfeeding? What are your thoughts on co-sleeping? What are your thoughts mm. on, you know, all of that stuff and see if they, if those answers fit what you are feeling, right? Okay. okay. With the whole co-sleeping thing, I, I always say that it's so disservice to the moms to be like, okay, you can't, you can't fall asleep, right? It's like, come on, think about it. Right. Why is it the mom's responsibility for everything? Right. That, like the dad, like just tell somebody, because I had a C-section and I had a terrible, my second one, I had such terrible grade threes and fours. And oh my God, it was almost let. I mean, it was a uterine infection and all that big mess that comes along with it. Mm. And I would sideline nurse because that was the most comfortable to me. Well, sideline nursing is literally on a bed. Right. And guess what? I would fall asleep, right? but it wasn't on me to make sure my baby was okay. I would tell my husband or I would tell my mom that was there. It's like, Hey, I'm going to go lie down and breastfeed. Could you please come check on me? Gotcha. Right. Right. You know, cause it's like, that's just, it's like, why do I have to do everything? Like, why do I have to make sure that I'm sidelining? I put, and the other thing I would do, especially during the daytime would be put an alarm on my phone just to make sure I wake up or then I can call somebody to help me. But I'm suffering here. I always say a C-section is you know, it's abdominal surgery with a baby attached. So it's, it would be so hard for me to keep coming up and down from that bed. So to use my resources that are around me, especially the dad to be like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm going to sideline. I'm probably going to fall asleep because I'm tired and my right. body's recovering. Right. If I do fall asleep, could you please move the baby from Yeah. Yeah. So, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I, you know, I hadn't even, haven't even thought about that. And I think it's great that you're like, you don't want to like, shame women or scare women you want to give them factual information and then practical ways that they can address things yes and I think that's what it is and then then you just you kind of this whole idea of bed sharing and co-sleeping you kind of eliminate it because as a pediatrician we know that leads to deaths and like as an ICU doctor I've seen the back end of it right so you don't want anybody to be in that position but you have to understand the reality of when a mom goes, I think maybe that's why I was blessed with four different types of deliveries because I really saw four different. Because I saw 
it, you know, like right. I saw what a C-section recovery looks like. I saw what a grade three and a four with uterine infection looks like. I saw what a natural delivery looks like, you know, like I saw all the different types of it. Right. And it's like, well, why is it always on me? Like I carried this baby. Right. <laughs> and these people are around me trying to support me and help me. Exactly. So for example, in my culture in India, there's some parts of the village where a woman doesn't get out of bed for 11 days. And what happens, the baby's brought to her to feed and then the baby's taken away. And all the household chores and everything is done by the by the women around her and, and that kind of support. So it's all she has to focus on is I'm going to recover because I just had a baby. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's that kind of approach. Yeah. It's, that, in that, it's that kind. Like, you know, it's you can't just put everything on us and then be like shocked that we have postpartum depression or anxiety or anger or our relationship with our husbands or our significant others are falling apart. Let's, let's kind of really use the tools that we have. Exactly. So, So, um, and look, we got tired. The co-sleeping thing got me distracted from the question. So, um, so the three, asking about, you said making sure they have lactation support, making Mm -hmm. sure it's a nutrition and the length of the visit. So those were the three things that you think for sure that they should ask. Okay. So then once they're seen in the home, how do you transition families to ongoing pediatric care? So again, this is from the ICU lens. So we always used to have our babies in the NICU. And then when they left, we would tell the pediatrician, Hey, this is what's going on. This is how the baby did and all sorts of stuff like that. And so that's how I view it. I just view it as an extension of hospital care because most pediatrician practices now, they don't actually see their babies in the hospital anymore. It's usually the newborn nursery or the NICU doctors seeing it. So for a month, the care comes to me and then it's an easy transition to um, the pediatricians. And at the end of it, I tell the pediatricians, hey, everything was fine or hey, we need X, there's this that just please be aware of. OK, so, so you're with them and maybe I missed that. So you're with yeah. them for that first that whole first month you're in touch oh, yes. and texting yes. and available and all that yes. stuff. OK, yes. all right. That's yes. awesome. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. 
Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So can patients expect that their insurance will pay for this type of service or should they expect that they're going to have to pay for it out of pocket? I actually am investigating that answer right now. And okay. I don't know. For me personally, it's a fee um, fee for service payment. Oh, okay. And um, the way that I do it is that I know there's a lot of lactation people here that do private practice and people pay out of pocket for them. So I just see what their charges are and add about 30 to $50 more to that. So in this way, it's like, well, you're getting a medical doctor and lactation gotcha. for X amount. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yes. Okay. So right now, and insurance has all these tricky things. And you guys, it's hard on our side, especially when you're doing these different or unique models to make it work with insurance. So you may have to pay out of pocket. But this is another great thing that I think you can ask for on, I'm all about asking for what you need. So like in your baby registry, if you mm-hmm. want to ask for, can I get a little bit of a donation towards having having a postpartum doula or a postpartum, you know, pediatrician come to my house. Like, yes, the clothes and all those things are great, but just think about asking for some different sort of services. This would be a great gift for somebody to give you for sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you feel like is the most rewarding part of your work? Just really going to the homes and people actually welcoming me with open arms. And it's, it's just amazing and helping that family out. So it's, one of my stipulations is after two weeks, the mom and the significant other have to go on a coffee date. You know? oh. <laughs> so it's like, well, it's just because you, you, you start that thinking, right? right. It's like, and I don't ever say dinner or lunch because just, it just seems very overwhelming. And then you never know, like, you know, your baby's hungry, your boobs get big again. Like, right. you can't enjoy <laughs> but a coffee date is 15 to 30 minutes. Right. And to step outside and enjoy that and actually allowing and giving permission to people to do that and seeing the reward behind it. And you're like, oh, you know, Dr. Patel, we really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Or right. I just feel like a brand new person. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, you helped that person out. So Absolutely. I guess at the end of the day, you're just a doctor. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you're, but the thing is, here, you're, you're kind of redefining, though, what a doctor does. I mean, you're obviously like more than just the medical piece. You're looking at how the connection between mom and baby is so important and how as a pediatrician and a NICU doctor, you're playing a role in making that whole family healthy, actually. So it's just a really, you know, refreshing way to to look at care. And it's great that you figured out a way to, to do that. I think we all strive for that, don't we? Like we, I, well, we, we, we hope want so. <laughs> yeah. You hope yeah. so. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to be able to um, take that more holistic approach. And it's more than just like checking weight or like, well, like you said, yeah. when you went to that fourth visit and it would, the nurse came and just like put your baby on the scale and, you know, bye, see you later kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We've kind of been backed into that model, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that way. Yeah. So what would you then say is the most frustrating part of what you do? 
that it's not more common. <laughs> like, I just want every mom to have this. <laughs> I think they all deserve it. Right. Yeah. I'm so. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then what, if you pick, had to pick, like, what are you the most passionate about when it comes to care, caring for women and children? And that may be hard for you to answer about one single thing, but is there any particular issue that really, really gets you going when you care yeah. for women and children? Yeah. I think postpartum depression is just because I've suffered through it and I'm a pediatrician and I asked my pediatrician for help and they weren't able to help me. And, mm. you know, and the first time I suffered, it was when my second baby, I suffered from it. And I, I just believe depression is just a misnomer. Uh, I think it's a broader subject than that because I didn't even realize I was depressed, but in my mind, I was mentally checking things off to be like, oh, I did this for my son and I did this for my son. I did this for my family. And But I wasn't connecting with my world. So if you were an outsider who really didn't know me, you couldn't tell me I was depressed. Right. Uh, and then the second one, I had a lot of anxiety. And I didn't realize that was also part of that umbrella. Right. So I think it's, I think postpartum depression, when you add the word depression there, it just sounds like, like that's all you should have, you know? And some people have never, ex I've never had a depressive mood symptoms before at all. And and I don't know what depression feels like or looks like, but here's are two incidences where one was probably more of a depressive mood. And I just didn't realize that not connecting to my world was mm -hmm. not a, like a big deal and the anxiety part of it. And that's part of it too. So that gets me going. And I think that's, that's the reason that looking at the research and saying that, oh, you know, if you provide the support and, and this, it can prevent this. It can have a healthier transition. Um, the fourth trimester, as you know, there's so much data out there yep, about yeah. the hormones and stuff like that. So we can ease that transition. It doesn't have to be so black and white. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then you talked about it a little bit uh, already, but how have your personal experiences as a mom influenced your work as a pediatrician. I know I talk about how as an OB, my first daughter was uh, eight weeks premature. She had duodenal atresia and was in the oh NICU my. for a month. Uh, so I went through all that. And of course that colors how I am as an obstetrician now having a preterm baby. How has um, your experience as a mom influenced your work? One, breastfeeding does not define you as a mom. I've had four different experiences. My first one was an absolute failure. Let oh. <laughs> me tell you that. And I'm a pediatrician. Right. The other two to three, it was my fourth one. I realized my body just gives up at nine to 10 months because my kids are eating more. They're, they have transitioned early to more table foods. And I mean, I wanted to make that magical one year that right. everybody talks about. Right. And I remember what I had to do there. But then when I reflected back, it was like, wait a minute. They were getting enough milk. I just didn't realize it. Gotcha. You know? And so, and then also with breastfeeding, it's some women are overproducers, some women produce right amount, and some women are underproducers. And we just have to kind of support everyone's journey and not, not, not like chastise them if they want to supplement. And that's what it is. It's supplementation. So let's kind of get away from everybody I'm so happy that everybody approaches breastfeeding but some women really struggle with it so mm -hmm. let's back off when they start struggling and it's okay like I've had a mixture of women myself 
one woman I'm having working with now, she breast she doesn't breastfeed, she just exclusively pumps because her baby, despite all the lactation interventions that we've done, still bites her. <laughs> you know? And her nipples are raw to the bone. Right. Like really? That's what the enjoyment we want from women to have breastfeeding. So now it's like, okay, well, I will nurse her when she's happy. So I enjoy that bonding part of it. And then I can pump. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're getting breast milk in the baby. Yeah. So yeah. it's totally okay. So, and, and that, that's like my biggest thing right now. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to pick like your one favorite piece of advice that you would give to expectant parents, what would that be? There's a hundred ways of doing something and of parenting. Choose the way that's best. Keep your babies healthy, safe, and at the end of the day, that's what it matters. God, oh, that's perfect advice. I really like that. There's no like one right way to do things. You got to figure out what works best for you. And that seems yep. to go through your whole approach. It It's obvious that you take a very personalized and individualized approach and you're very passionate about what you do for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just my experiences. I mean, dealing with it and it's just, you know, you just see it. You just see if you can just allow women to have the permission of being like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Okay. I need everybody okay. to hear that because you will, we, as a mother, I guarantee you, you will have a moment where it is not like roses and flowers where you're just like, Right in this moment, this sucks. And that does not yes. mean you're a bad mother. No. It doesn't mean you're, you know, unhappy. But it's just that permission to experience that and know that that is okay. That's a big deal. Yes. Like, it's just, and give you permission to be like, I want to go get my nails done. And right. here's the baby and I'm right. leaving. Right. Like, just leave. Just yes. leave the situation. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. For sure. So. so where can people find you if they happen to be in your area and they're more interested in your services or are you on social media or anything like that? Yes. So uh, my website is Naya Care. It's N-A-Y-A-C-A-R-E dot org. And I'm on Facebook at Naya Care Colorado and then on Instagram, uh, Naya Care. And I think my Instagram account is, it's fun for me. It's because I highlight pregnancy and postpartum stories in their rawest forms. And these women have allowed me to publish their stories. And I really enjoy that one. And then, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I will link to those in the show notes, guys. So be sure to look look out for those. Sonal, I really appreciate you being here and giving us all this great information. It was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I did enjoy it myself too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So again, wasn't that a great episode packed with tons of useful information on a model of care that I think is really interesting and helpful and I hope does start to catch on for sure in the United States. Now, after every episode, I do something called Nicole's Notes where I take my two or three top takeaways from the episode and tell you what I thought. Okay, so here we go for Nicole's notes for this episode. Number one, Sonal talked about releasing control and not being superwoman postpartum. There's a little bit of pressure, I think, in our society. You know, you're supposed to do all the things and, and be all the things and take care of everything. And really, you just need to let 
people help you postpartum. That postpartum support is so important, both for your physical healing and your mental healing. So do not feel like you have to do everything and be superwoman postpartum. Let people help you. Number two, liked how she talked about, it should not just be your responsibility to take care of the baby. Everything doesn't have to be on you. And that example that she gave of co-sleeping and saying, telling your partner or your mom or somebody, hey, come check on me. I'm breastfeeding. If I fall asleep, you know, make sure the baby's okay. Like it doesn't have to be just your responsibility to care for the baby, get other people involved. And again, that goes back to that postpartum support. Now, I was also talking about support in terms of things like, you know, washing clothes or, or um, cooking or grocery shopping. So you can focus on the things that you, that you want to do. But also don't be afraid to ask for help with the baby too, if you need to. I also liked incidentally with the co-sleeping that she talked about how she meets women where they are. We know from evidence that co-sleeping does increase the risk of death for babies. And sadly, unfortunately, in the medical side, we have seen those horror stories where women have fallen asleep and, and had that awful incident happening, happening of a baby passing away. Uh, however, she understands the, the realities of it and that sometimes that it just happens. So I like how she talked about meeting women where they are as well, just as an aside. And then the final thing that she talked about was how taking a break from your baby is okay. And maybe not just okay, but actually healthy and needed in order to help you be, um, feel better and just kind of get back to yourself a bit more with this new normal of having a newborn. I loved her idea of a coffee date. I feel like lunch or dinner can feel like more of a big production. It's going to be an hour, maybe two hours, but like a coffee date where you go and grab a cup of coffee or a dessert date where you just go and grab some dessert. That doesn't have to be long. It's not quite as involved. You could even take the baby if you can't get a break from the baby, but just even getting out of the house and getting some fresh air can be very helpful. All right, so that's it for this episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I would most certainly appreciate it if you leave a review in iTunes. It helps the podcast to grow by helping other women find the show. And I often give shout outs on the podcast to people who leave reviews. So please, I'd really appreciate that review in iTunes. Now, next week, I am going to do an overview of pain management options on the podcast. All of the pain management options that are available to you in labor from non-medication options to IV pain medications to nitrous oxide to epidurals. I'm going to talk about the risk, the benefits, the pros, the cons of each of those methods. So come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins. 
head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the birth preparation course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.